happy Easter. Today's episode is called, So What's the Big Deal About Easter? Because it feels like, and I know I hate saying it feels like, Pastor Mike would be like, Amber, don't talk about what feels like. Um, talk about facts. But it seems like in North America, we kind of do the Easter thing and then we blink and we're like, okay, let's move on to something else. We're done with Easter now. Go on, on to something else. And the early Christian church celebrated Easter every single week. So they thought it was kind of a big deal. And if they thought it was kind of a big deal, maybe there's something for us to learn in this. Hey, it's Amber, wife, mother, type A child of God. Here are little things we look at everyday issues from a biblical perspective with one simple goal, to know and love God more. Thanks for listening. I wonder how many of us recognize that the life of a Christian is very much like this. It's ups and downs. It's continually, you know, the highs and the lows. It seems like a lot of us are taken off guard with the lows. We know that we live in a sinful world, right? We understand that life is going to be full of all sorts of trauma and mishaps and bad health and things that are outside of our control. We understand that. We know that. Ever since the Garden of Eden, things are not going to go our way, right? And yet, so often, these things take us off guard. And they did with the disciples, too. So I've been studying the Gospels this year. That's my focus. And in my Sunday school class, I'm going through the book of Mark with the teens. But in my own reading, I'm going through the book of Matthew. And it's been interesting for me to see, as I'm especially in the book of Mark, how often Jesus is telling his disciples, hey guys, I'm going to Jerusalem where I will be handed over to the leaders and the teachers of the law and I will be crucified. And on the third day, I will rise again. And it says afterwards, even as Jesus is saying this, like the disciples had no idea what he was talking about, or they still did not understand what this could mean. So that when they experienced what they experienced, which let's face it, um, it was major trauma what the disciples went through watching their Lord and Savior be crucified, tortured, hung on a tree, um, a brutal, gruesome, horrific death. So, I mean, I'm not minimizing anything here. I don't know that we could properly prepare for that, even if... We were walking with Jesus and he was telling us exactly how this is going to play out. I'm not so sure that we would be any different in living through the trauma of that and trying to make sense of it all. So that when they were done with, you know, the Saturday and Easter morning came, they were still hiding out. They were still (laughs) trying to comfort each other. They were still very much afraid of what was going on. And if we're honest, we very often experience the same sorts of trauma. Now, not to that extent, we don't necessarily watch someone we love be beaten and tortured and and killed, but we go through some pretty crazy trauma ourselves. Things like, you know, our children, especially as they get older and start making different decisions, they can cause some serious hurt in our lives. We can give 
years and years and years of our life to a profession. And at the end of the day, they can let us go without giving us a reason. Um, oh, churches, <laughs> you know, you can put so much of yourself out there and serve in a church and something can happen. And all of a sudden, what was your family and the, the people who kept you spiritually grounded, all of a sudden you can be reeling and be like, I, I don't know who I have that I can trust. I don't know, you know, who my people are. I don't even know where I belong. I don't, I don't know what's going on here. Um, and, and just our own health. We live in this crazy idea that we are invincible so often. And all of a sudden, one little thing, it can be a virus, it can be a cancer cell, could be any sort of disease, illness, what have you, that all of a sudden rocks our world and sends us on this crazy tailspin, not knowing what we're doing, not knowing who we are or how long this is going to last. And everything that we thought was important suddenly becomes, uh, I don't, I don't know. You're just left wondering what you're doing here and what's the plan and where are we going from here and what does this all mean? I've spent some time with this idea of brokenness lately and I've recognized that we are not alone and God made sure to talk to us in the Bible about the broken people that he used. There are way too many to even consider listing, but I'm just going to talk about a few of them. Joseph is one that I've really thought about lately because he was sold by his brothers and put in this crazy situation and he worked super hard and then Potiphar's wife framed him and all of a sudden he's in prison and he doesn't understand. He's trying to come up with a way to get out of it himself. It doesn't work out and he's left in this dungeon thinking, <laughs> you know, I didn't do anything to deserve being put here and I don't see the answer and I don't see the plan and he just sort of had to wait. He was in this holding pattern until God determined that he was going to, you know, take him somewhere else. Daniel and his friends were sort of in the same situation when they were carried off to Babylon and then very early on, I mean Daniel chapter 2, we hear that Nebuchadnezzar decided that he was going to kill all the wise men because they couldn't tell him the dream that he had and its meaning. And so the executioner comes to Daniel's door and Daniel's like, whoa, hold on. We, we, uh, what, what are you talking about? Something totally out of his control. Didn't know about it. Didn't have any chance to add to it. Was, you know, suddenly put way out there where his life was hanging in the balance like that day. So we went to Nebuchadnezzar and he asked for just a little bit of time. And Nebuchadnezzar, of course, graciously, because God granted him favor, gave him time, and then God gave him the interpretation of the dream so that he could stand before Nebuchadnezzar and say, hey, you know what? No one could tell you the dream, and no one could tell you the interpretation of the dream, but we believe in this God, and he has told us this. That's who it is, not us. We're not crazy, uh, you know, unbelievable people. We just serve a crazy, unbelievable God. But when you think about just someone knocking on your door and all of a sudden your life is demanded of you and just the the whirlwind that it had been anyway. When you read chapter one, you know, being taken from the family, asked, 
you know, they asked if they could do their own special food and not partake of, of the things that everybody else was partaking of. It was just, there were so many, you know, of these highs and lows in the book of Daniel. God kept rescuing Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but they kept being in positions where they needed to be rescued. Seems like so much of our life. Ruth, look at Ruth, how, you know, she marries this man who dies. She agrees to go to a foreign land where she's left basically destitute. She has nothing, decides to get some food. And then her mother-in-law is like, you know, you should probably think about getting married and you should go lay at Boaz's feet and see if, you know, he won't marry I mean, there's just so much craziness when you think about it. The trauma of losing your husband, of going to a foreign land, of being a foreigner, of not having your basic necessities, just so much. Rahab, how she put herself way out there, said to Joshua and, and the Israelites, the, the spies who, you know, were going to take over the town of Jericho. And she's like, look, I know you're going to destroy the city. I know you're going to take it. Could you save me? Could you rescue me? And she's hanging the scarlet cord in faith, knowing these people are going to come. They're going to destroy the land. They're going to take it over. They're going to conquer it. And will they remember me? Just again, her life in the balance, living in this faith that there has to be something And I'm just going to walk in that faith and trust that God has a plan. And he rescued her. King David on the run from Saul. King David was not King David when he was on the run from Saul. He was anointed to be the next king, which aroused Saul's jealousy. That and the fact that he had had great success and victory when he went to war against the enemies of Israel. And so, you know, Saul was jealous. He didn't want anything to do with David. So he is chasing him around the country, trying to kill him. And here David is in these lonely places. He's in mountains. He's in deserts. He's just with his band of men and on the run. And at one point, he's on one side of a mountain and Saul and his men are on the other side of the mountain pursuing them. And he is just trusting in God to keep him alive from day to day. I mean, imagine living that way. Imagine just living in that day-to-day, trusting God for what you need to eat, drink, for uh, what you need to survive to keep you safe. It's, It's a crazy life, right? And so often we find ourselves in those situations where it is hour by hour, day by day, looking to God for strength, looking to him to answer our prayers and to keep us in his care to provide what we need. I just talked to someone yesterday who has worked at this place for a long time, has been a dedicated employee of this company and had a meeting and all of a sudden it looks like their whole department might be going away, just going away. We don't need you anymore. We're going to outsource. And suddenly your job may be eliminated. So she may wake up on Monday morning to an email. You don't have a job. 
what can I say? The only thing I know to say is God has been faithful in the past. He will be faithful in the future. I, too, we went through a period in our family a couple years ago, that same type of thing where we were left in limbo for like two months. We didn't know what was going to go on. We didn't, we didn't know how things were going to end. And we just had to pray and ask God to provide, to help us, to, you know, show us what to do, where to go where we can be used by him. And he faithfully did. But so many times in life, we are left in this in between of not knowing what's going on, of knowing that there's things out of our control, that a lot doesn't look right. And we are just resting in Jesus. Now, what does this have to do about Easter? Why do we care? (laughs) Because Jesus came back. He knew what his disciples were going through. Peter especially, you know, had denied Jesus, was feeling terrible, but not just Peter, all of them. And Jesus appeared to them. He appeared to them individually. He appeared to them in groups. He appeared to the disciples on the road to Emmaus and started explaining to them what this all meant because they were all scratching their head. Like we watched our savior, the person that we put our faith in, who we believed was the son of God, who we believed was the Messiah. We watched him hang on a tree. We know he died and we don't understand what this means. And Jesus himself appeared to those disciples on the road to Emmaus and started explaining from scripture how this is what this means. And this is why this had to happen. And here we are. And he appeared to Mary Magdalene. He appeared to Peter. He appeared to the disciples in the closed room, not once, but twice. And so he came back to show, look, guys, I see what you're going through. And I understand that you have a lot of questions. And here are some answers. I'm going to start explaining this to you. And it didn't end there. For 40 days, Jesus walked the earth. He appeared and he disappeared. He wasn't just you know, uh, always with them like he had been in the past, but he appeared to them. He appeared to them on that shore where he cooked them breakfast and he reinstated Peter. He appeared to them when he ascended into heaven and he was up on that mountain or hill or whatever it was. And he ascended and he was still talking to them as he was ascending into heaven. And he had said, look, if I go to heaven, I'm going to send back the comforter. I'm going to send back who was the Holy Spirit, so he can help you. And on Pentecost, he did exactly that. But the point being that because Jesus rose from the dead, our God is not dead. He was intimately with the disciples then. And he is intimately with us now. See, in the book of Hebrews, we're given this incredible hope. Hebrews 4, 14 to 16 says this, Therefore, since we have a high priest, who has ascended into heaven. So Jesus didn't stay in the in the grave. He didn't stay dead. He rose victoriously and he ascended into heaven. Since we have a high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence. Who is the high priest? Why do we care? Do we even need a priest? Why do we care about a priest? Our high priest is the person who goes to God on our behalf. And that's Jesus. 
and ours is not dead. And not only is he in heaven interceding for us, but because he lived and because he died, he knows. He can empathize with our weaknesses. Look, Jesus was scared when it came to the time where he needed to die. He knew he was going to die. He understood this was part of the plan. He was still scared. He still begged for a different way. And that means that he will be with us when we are facing death. If we are afraid, he's going to be right there. It is so important that we cling to the promises of God. And what are some of those promises of God? He says he will never leave us or forsake us. So no matter what we are going through, whatever we are going through, if it's a job loss, if it's health problems, financial problems, relational problems with our children, he's not absent. He's not far away. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. What other promises? He says he will work all things for good. Romans 8, 28. Everything that we go through, he will work for good. Now, are we going to see the good as we're going through it? Probably not. Sometimes it can be hard to see the good even afterwards. But once in a while, he gives us a glimmer of why we're going through some of the things that we're going through. I had that happen just a week or so ago. So I had recorded the motherhood podcasts that were aired in January. I, I recorded those the beginning of December. And shortly after recording those podcasts, I went through a really hard season with one of my children. And it was just like that rug being swept out from underneath me. And so the day that the motherhood podcast, Love Your Children Well, aired, uh, one of my friends from work listened to it. And she showed up at work the next day and immediately came up and gave me a hug. And she said, Amber, you have no idea how much I needed that podcast. And then she started telling me what she was going through with her child. (laughs) And I said, well, you know what? I had no idea when I recorded that, what I would go through with one of my children. And I started telling her and she just sat with tears in her eyes. And I sat with tears in my eyes. And I said, our whole job of parenting is like this. It's the high highs when we celebrate with our kids, right? They make a good decision. They you know, achieve something, they graduate, they get the job, they do whatever, they get married to someone that we love, right? And they're the high highs. And then you experience the lowest lows that you have ever experienced. When they walk away, when they make decisions that you know do not please God, when they don't want anything to do with you because they're at that age that they want to prove that they can do things their own way. And I was able to right there in the moment, see that God was even using this really difficult season in my life to be able to empathize with someone who was going through a really tough season with her child. And I could on the way home, you know, praise the Lord and thank him for helping me to be there in the depths 
so that I could empathize. But so often we don't see it right then. You know, it doesn't, it's not like a couple of weeks later, we can already say, oh, now I know God, why you're having me go through this or why I did go through this or whatever. A lot of times we're left reeling years later thinking, you know, why, why have I been going through this? And Lord, how are you going to work this for good? I'm not seeing the answers. And yet Jesus went through so much. The whole time he walked the earth, he was rejected. He was misunderstood. People continually thought that he had a different aim and reason for walking the earth than he did. He was continually put in these situations where people were testing him or wanting something from him or challenging him. And (laughs) here we are. 2,000 years later, getting comfort from his life. He may not have seen as a human exactly how that would play out. As God, he did. He knew that everything that he went through, we would be using years later. Joseph, you know, those years with Potiphar, those years in the prison, it didn't make sense. But it started to make sense as he realized what his role was and how he was going to rescue not just Egypt, but Israel and so many other people from this famine that was taking place. And so the point is this, in our brokenness and in the craziness of life, when we're just reeling and wondering and Just going, you know, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, and trying to figure out how all this is working out and what this all means. We can find hope in the fact that Jesus didn't stay dead. He died, yes, but he rose. And not only did he rise, He ascended into heaven so that he could talk to the Father about us. And as he did that, he could say, it's hard. You're going to have to strengthen her. You're going to have to provide for her. You know what she needs? She needs friends or she needs a pastor or she needs something in the Bible today or, you know, remind her to pray, put a song in her life, or put a sermon. Send your angels to strengthen her the way you sent angels to strengthen me. Everything, everything is different because Jesus is not in that grave. Because he's not in that grave, we have hope for today and we have hope for everything that we will go through in the future and we absolutely have hope Because Jesus' resurrection means that he conquered death. He conquered the grave. And we will not stay dead forever. So when we face our last breaths, even if there's fear, with faith we can say, Lord, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Because I know because you rose, I too will rise. Easter changes everything. This has been Little Things. Because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things.